All right, let's see. Who's intro for this week? Hi, this is Robin Curtis, and I played Lieutenant Savick in Star Trek 3 and 4. You're listening to Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi. Welcome to the special second anniversary show for Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm Rico, your host, uh, have been your host for two whole years now. Hard to believe. Uh, this is going to be podcast number 137. Got a lot of uh, new things going on right now today. We're on Ustream Live, or I'm on Ustream Live. Why do I always say we a lot of times? i got to stop that. I'm on Ustream Live uh, with some people in the chat room. And this will be, like I said, podcast, I think, 137 for September 2nd, 2007. About uh, two years ago... I think it was a couple days later, two years ago, that I started this uh, whole podcast thing with uh, show the first show, uh, which was, I think, the Zero Show, I called it, or the Beta Podcast. And now it's two years later, 137 shows, 138, I guess, if you call the Beta Show, and uh, still going. Got a new uh, microphone set up here today. Uh, it's a Shure microphone, not that anyone probably matters or cares about that. But I also got a little pop filter, so I can say things like Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers and hopefully uh, not get a lot of pop sounds on the recording. So that's kind of always nice. I don't have to uh, edit those out. So anyway, hey, let's uh, let's get started. Uh, I'll play uh, a little... Uh, let's play which intro? Hmm, it's always hard. Let's play this one. I'll be right back. Rico. Re-re-re-rico. Captain, incoming message. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise. Rico, re, 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 Rico, Rico. Re, 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 Rico. Proceed. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. Working. Working. Unable to comply. A weekly dose of sci-fi Star Trek information. Engage. I think we're in a lot of trouble. That's a great help, Mr. Chekhov. Well, I think Mr. Chekhov's right. We are in a lot of trouble. Spock, and if you say we're in a lot of trouble, we are. I know this is like the back of my hand. Oh, you know, I was talking, and it's important to have the microphone turned back up after the intro. That's the live broadcast for you. Anyway, I was saying... Uh, it's uh, It's been a good ride. Two years, uh, a lot of podcasts under my belt. Uh, I was kind of looking over uh, last night, looking over the last uh, year's worth or so of shows, and uh, a lot of covered a lot of ground, different Star Trek episodes from the various series, uh, different uh, special episodes. I, I really enjoyed doing those, especially the Star Trek music episode, the Buffy episode, uh, Farscape, Space 1999, Twilight Zone. Did a few interviews. Got my uh, 
A couple things for uh, for this particular podcast for the anniversary show. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, like I was just doing, a little bit about what's gone on in the past and then talk about the maybe next year or so, some things I have lined up. Uh, one of those things I was just about to mention was I, I'm going to try to do and slip in a lot more uh, interview-type shows both with uh, some of the people on the forum, some fans, and some try to get some uh, quote-unquote professionals in the industry. Uh, there's a few things I'm, I'm working on right now. One of those I'll mention, uh, somebody who has some very uh, intimate knowledge of uh, some of the original Star Trek props. I'm going to try to do an interview with him really soon, who is uh, v- probably one of the foremost uh, experts on phasers and communicators from the original Star Trek show. So that will be coming up here in the near future. Also going to do another music show. I didn't quite uh, get all the music talk that I wanted in, to get into on that previous show that I did, so we're going to do that again as well. So lots of things to talk about. Uh, this uh, this show is going, like I said earlier, uh, live over Ustream, so it's going to be maybe a little more disjointed uh, as I check things like volumes and audio and video and that. Uh, we're going to try to slip a couple of contests in during the show. And uh, we've got some of our usual features, too, as well. Uh, We've got uh, a book review and uh, a con report uh, from somebody else. I've got a voice message also that uh, I'm actually not sure who this is. I think it may be a con report voice message, but I also got that on audio. So I'm going to uh, hold that back for right now. But I do want to play first. Uh, John Semlak sent in a... uh, a nice uh, voice message uh, audio file about uh, Gen Con. And I thought to start things off here before we get into the show, uh, the main part of the show, I guess I could say, uh, where I'm going to talk about Star Trek also. I'm going to talk kind of a little, give people a little brief uh, history of uh, how Star Trek first came to be uh, when Gene Roddenberry first created it. Uh, So that'll be coming up here shortly. But let's listen to uh, John's report from uh, Gen Con. Hello, Rico. This is John Semlek from Russia, and I'm sending in my comments about my visit to Gen Con 2007 in Indianapolis uh, just last weekend. Um, I was in the United States for a two-week visit visiting family in not so far away uh, Bloomington, Illinois, and so I decided to drive over for Gen Con for two days, uh, Friday and Saturday. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Gen Con is a uh, convention devoted to prim- historically mostly devoted towards uh, D&D role-playing games and war games although it has expanded over the years to include uh, all sorts of gaming tabletop gaming and even video games and of course it attracts fans of comic books anime uh, science fiction films and, and so forth uh, gaming is the main thing going on and and uh, there was a there are areas to play games as well as a huge dealer room where uh, companies from all over the world which produce games uh, show their products. Uh, One of the new interesting products uh, for possibly for fans of this podcast was the new StarCraft board game which is apparently being released in conjunction with the uh, StarCraft 2 video game. Uh, You may know that uh, there is also a uh, World of Warcraft board game, which is closely associated with the Warcraft, World of Warcraft computer game. Um, 
the uh, another big announcement of this fair was of course uh, related to Dungeons and Dragons and that was the release of the fourth edition of that game with a lot of small bits of information about what that will be like um, that was probably the big news of of the con um, there were of course many people dressed in costume uh, and I took very many pictures I'm going to attach a link to those pictures uh, and uh, there were p people dressed up in science fiction related costumes particularly Star Wars uh, there were in you know anime costumes um, historical stuff renaissance fair type stuff lots of really good stuff the thing that impresses me about a con like this is that almost none of the costumes were people being paid to stand around for some kind of advertising or PR purpose they were all fans dressed up in costumes they had made and that that really impressed me um, in terms of specifically Star Trek uh, stuff there wasn't a whole lot but there is one very important long-standing tradition at Gen Con the Gen the Klingon bait and jail thing this is a something that has been going on there for a long time a group of Klingons the Klingon police they will arrest anybody at the convention um, for a small fee which goes goes to charity you go to them pay the fee tell them who you want arrested and they will take them arrest them and put them in the Klingon jail I've uh, attached pictures of that uh, there um, but unfortunately there weren't too many people in Star Trek costume which disappointed me uh, other than the Klingon police themselves uh, that's all I have to say about it uh, again check out my links I'll attach links to my photo album and some videos that have appeared in various places that are interesting Thank you. Oh, P.S. The music in the background is from Midnight Syndicate, who produce uh, role-playing uh, designed atmosphere music, which was available for sale at Gen Con. Thanks very much uh, for your report, John. Uh, very uh, interesting stuff there, uh, the gaming uh, convention. You know, I used to game quite a bit, D&D uh, &D especially, along... Uh, Along with other games, Traveler, uh, and other board games, things like uh, there was a Buck Rogers board game I think that I used to play. Lots of different stuff. Uh, don't seem to have as much time anymore to do that. And I never made it to Gen Con. I've always wanted to go, and it's really uh, kind of silly because it's close to where I live. So, uh, and, and here you're uh, traveling all the way to the U.S. for a visit from Russia where you've been, and you go to Gen Con, and I'm like a couple hundred miles away, and I didn't go. But that's... Uh, I, I just go to places like Taiwan and stuff like that. I, I, it, it's funny. It, it, the only places I seem to be able to go involve uh, hours and hours on planes lately. I, I, you know, things just across town seem so far to me. So anyway, John, thanks for your report. Uh, let's see. The, uh, there's a few things still that I want to cover before we get into, like I said, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Trek uh, and how it first got on the air, which uh, probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast know this, but I thought it'd be kind of fun. I've never really done that that I can recall, so I thought it'd be a good thing to do for this uh, special show. And uh, I think what I'll do, I want to get most things out of the way that I so I don't forget about them. Oh, it's Andy. Okay, Andy, the, the Brazilian jiu-jitsu from the forums in this clip coming up. So listen to Andy, and I'll play this clip through. It looks like about four minutes or so. So here we go. Hey, Rico. This is uh, this is Andy. Uh, I'm Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu 1979 on the forums. Anyway, uh, me and my wife just got back from Dragon Con, and uh, I was going to give you a little uh, 
report on that. We just went on the Saturday. It's all we could do to this this year. But uh, anyway, uh, the Star Trek actors, uh, they had uh, Jonathan Frakes there, uh, Gates McFadden, um, John DeLancey, um, they had Michelle Nichols, um, and Brent Spiner. And uh, they were very, very nice. Uh, especially Jonathan Frakes. We talked for a while about some about some different things. We talked about the frame of mind uh, uh, episode, um, and he uh, he said it was one of his favorites. Um, and uh, what I what I liked about Dragon Con was was the celebrities were were just very very accessible. I mean, you could just go up and start talking to them. I mean, and a lot of them would let you have their picture made with them and uh, would sign stuff for you and. And it was really cool. And uh, I had on a I had on my Bodog uh, fight shirt. Uh, and uh, Aaron Aaron Douglas, I believe that's his name. He plays Chief Tyrell on the uh, on the Battlestar Galactica show. He had uh, he had worked for Bodog as a uh, as a guest uh, celebrity poker um, guest. Uh, so he had worked for Bodog as well. So we knew some of the same people, and we talked for a while about that. And uh, uh, my wife, she dressed up as uh, Jadzia, except she didn't have time to paint her spots on. But uh, I'll be sending in a picture, and it was real cool. Um, and a lot of people were getting their picture made with her, and um, she she looked pretty pretty close to dead on. And uh, everybody was just real cool. I mean, everybody was accessible, and we saw Jonathan Frakes a few more times during the day, and he'd wave at us and talk, you know, just talk to us. Everybody's very, very accessible. I mean, um, other sci-fi people, Richard Hatch was there. Um, Jamie Bamber, he plays uh, uh, Apollo's son, uh, I mean Apollo, Adama's son on the uh, new Battlestar Galactic show. He was very cool. Um, There's just a lot of people there and a lot of accessibility to them. I mean, I'm sure that this is the first really convention. We don't really do this stuff that much uh it's the first convention i've ever been to and i didn't know you could just go up and start talking to them and and hang out with them and stuff i mean i, I thought there'd be more security or uh, something more than there was and it, it wasn't like that you could go up and hang out and talk and uh you know i mean you didn't want to hold up the line forever but uh Aaron Douglas and I talked for probably five minutes, you know, um, which is a pretty long time when there's other people waiting, waiting to uh, get their picture made with him or whatever. So uh, it was real cool. The main thing about Dragon Con that I noticed there's a lot of costumes, very cool costumes. Uh, that's the main thing about Dragon Con that makes it cool. The panels, they're not so, they're not. I, I was not real thrilled with them. Um, but the what was what was cool was they have really really awesome costumes, really really awesome costumes. So I just I thought that was cool, um, and so that's that's about it. Um, I love the podcast, and uh, you do a great job. And uh, oh, one more thing, I saw uh, one guy. I'm sure there was more, but I saw one guy wearing his Trek in, Treks and Sci-Fi uh, shirt. And I took a picture, and uh, I'll be forwarding you some of these pictures that uh, I took. I took a whole lot. And, uh, okay, 
Anyway, I love the podcast. You do a great job. And thanks for entertaining us every week. Bye. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks very much for that uh, report, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from DragonCon, which is just taking place. Uh, I think it's taking place as I record this. It's all this weekend, uh, uh, Labor Day weekend in Atlanta. And uh, I'm shocked and thrilled that there was a someone there uh, wearing my, one of the, my previous Treks in Sci-Fi t-shirts, uh, with, uh, which I think I first did that first run of those about a year ago, so I'd be happy or I'd love to see the picture of him uh, or her. I think you said it was a him on uh, when you posted on the forum. So that's that's really cool. Uh, also, um, speaking of T-shirts that I, would, I did want to mention, even though, which I didn't say yet on this show, sorry I'm a little disjointed, I, I spent uh, the last few hours trying to get through to my web host. Uh, the weird thing today is when I uh, first got up the website, everything's been working good the last couple of weeks. There were some issues a couple of weeks ago of slowdowns, and today it's it's like just down. I can't get to the, really my website or forums at all, so that's been causing me some frustrations. But uh, when it does get back up, for those uh, that visit the treksf.com uh, website or forums, there are links up to order a uh, t-shirt i'm doing another round of t-shirts for uh, the podcast uh it's got the uh spock uh where you know holding an ipod uh, with it stuck in his big ears they got that logo on the back of the shirt these are going to be white t-shirts we did these uh blue colored ones last time so this time i decided to do white ones just a standard white uh, short sleeve t-shirt uh and the words on the front treks in sci-fi and treksf.com are going to be smaller they're just going to sort of be where the pocket would be on a t-shirt uh, a little uh, a little slicker i think that way a little uh, change from the first run of t-shirts so if you're interested there are links up like i said on the forums and on the main website they cost 25 uh, ship that will include all shipping. What I'm doing is basically using a place uh, that's going to print them all up at the same time. You can order your own specific size, and then they'll uh, do one bulk order, and I will get those mailed to me, and then I will send them off to you. Taking orders up until September 24th, which is about three weeks away. I figured that was a good amount of time. It gives everyone a chance uh, to order the shirts. The... Um, the main and the easiest way to pay for these, of course, is PayPal. Uh, I will accept checks or money orders, but those would have to be uh, obviously sent through the regular mail to me. If you email me at treksf at gmail.com, I can take care of that for you if you need to do it that way, if you don't use PayPal. So hopefully that will work out for everyone. Uh, I, occasionally, under special circumstances, I can do overseas shipping, but trying to stick to the U.S. and Canada. I know there are people at other places in the world that might want a shirt, uh, if you do, why don't you just send me an email, and we'll try to work something out. I'm sure we can do that. Uh, so that's about it on the T-shirt uh, front of things, uh, and I hope everyone who's interested will order one. The more, the merrier. And I, I love seeing people wearing them and, and posting pictures up uh, of that or just email them to me. That's pretty cool. Uh, I know Walter on the forums has done that a lot. He's overseas, uh, visited a lot of different places, and I've gotten some from some other people. So uh, send those in when you've got them. All right, the next uh, thing I want to do, this I put together last night. I, it kind of, uh, I, I, I didn't spend a lot of time on it, but it's, it's kind of a little, uh, what, do you, what do you call it, a little melody or a little mashup of uh, the last year or so's uh, podcasts that I've done. Mostly clips uh, from various of the podcasts, obviously, and, and a lot of Star Trek clips in there, uh, a little bit of us talking on Skype and 
I'll just listen to it, and I'll be back. It's about five or six minutes long, and then I'll be back after that. Show number 50. Show number 50. Dun, dun, dun. Happy episode number 50, Rico. This is Morelos from Mexico, and I want to celebrate with you and the audience that Treks in Sci-Fi turns 50 today. And I want to thank you for all the hard work you put on the show to educate me on Trek stuff and everything sci-fi, and collectibles, and movies, and soundtracks, and all the good stuff you always talk about. Accessing library computer data. This computer terminal provides full access to the Elcar's computer net. It can be operated both by voice and keypad commands. Greetings one and all. This is the Trex and Sci-Fi Podcast, and this is your host, Rico. It is Sunday. There was so much I had to do. This has taken years of planning. What about your writing? Dax, try boosting the carry amplitude. Maybe you can... Jake, what's happened to you? This is the last chance I'm ever going to have to help you. Study this, Mr. Spock. They seem to learn rather quickly. All right, Spock, you have all the answers. What now? Omega tone is increasingly hostile. My tone is the only thing that's hostile, Mr. Spock. Curious. Hostile logical. And I'm sick and tired of your logic. We could use a little inspiration. Every single night, the same arrangement, I go out and fight the fight. Still I always feel the strangest strangeness, nothing here is real, nothing here is right. I've been making shows of trading blows, just hoping no one knows that I've been going through the motions, walking through the part. Nothing seems to penetrate my You know, notice uh, that that music there, very reminiscent of the Star Trek Voyager theme song, which Jerry Goldsmith uh, eventually goes on to compose and conduct for Star Trek Voyager, the main theme. Now again, a shift of moods a little bit. Star Trek First Contact, the Borg, going back in time to save the Earth. Uh, Lots of good stuff. Very serious uh, movie. Uh, again, the music fits it very well. And it's uh, it's an amazing, great scene, and uh, I think it's uh, a testament to Patrick Stewart, who I think has always, or I've always thought, has done a, always did a top-notch, 100% great job uh, playing uh, Jean-Luc Picard. So listen to uh, this clip now. You were asking for it, you know. Yes, but you needed it. You have been terribly hard on yourself. You don't know, Robert. You don't know. They took everything I was. He used me to kill and to destroy, and I couldn't stop 
Welcome, this is Rico, and we're going to be doing another Skype chat with some other forum members from the Treks in Sci-Fi website today. We've done a couple of these in the past, and I've really had a lot of fun doing them. I think uh, it's great to get other other Sci-Fi geeks out there, opinions on some of the current shows and things that are going on in TV, movies. Just want to say thanks for your great podcast, Rico, and I'll leave you with this. Read more science fiction. Ta-ta. Hi there, this is Rick from the www.treksandsci-fi.com forums, and uh, what you just heard was some great, exciting science fiction written by fans of Star Trek. It's our RPG game that we have on the forum, and it is just a blast. I really want to um, invite you to come and be part of it. I think it's about time we got underway ourselves. Captain. I have orders from Starfleet Command. We're to put back to space dock immediately. To be decommissioned. If I were human, I believe my response would be... Go to hell. If I were human. Course heading, Captain. Second star to the right. And straight on till morning. have some uh, clips from past uh, podcasts, Star Trek episodes, Buffy, uh, some on our RPG game, which is going on on the forums, which is a lot of fun. I urge everyone who is interested in Star Trek and writing and adventure to check that out on the forums. It's uh, It's been great. So it's been, a, it's been a good year, been a good two years, and lots of things still to look forward to in, in the near future. Uh, got a few uh, upcoming episodes I wanted to talk about. One, I'm going to do a uh, Try to look at uh, some of the spoofs that have been put out there, uh, both uh, you know things on Saturday Night Live about Star Trek, the movies, things like Galaxy Quest, Free Enterprise. We had a lot of uh, emails and pe- different people talking about uh, wanting an episode or a podcast about that, so that's coming up in the near future. I think I already mentioned about um, doing another music uh, music of Trek episode focusing on some of the later TV series. I kind of went through the original series and the movies on the last one, and I want to hit uh, both uh, Next Generation and all the subsequent Trek series for another musical uh, episode, because those are a lot of fun to do. I've always enjoyed the music of Trek and other sci-fi shows. It's, uh, I think it really adds a lot to the, to, the, um, to the whole thing, just like in Star Wars, the music is so important. So we're going to do that again as well. And, yeah, lots of other things. Some special shows. I want to hit some other... Uh, uh, 
franchises that I haven't done before, uh, you know, things like uh, Indiana Jones at some point in time, uh, Quantum Leap, I would like to cover that in an episode uh, of the podcast, uh, just lots of things, almost too much. And then, of course, we'll have the regular shows looking at episodes from all the various Star Trek series. And uh, I also am going to be hitting the Star Wars prequels, I'd, uh, uh, finishing off those. So we're going to be uh, looking at Attack of the Clones and uh, Revenge of the Sith. So those things uh, are all coming up on Treks in Sci-Fi. I'm just going to take a little momentary break here to get uh, composed for the next section of the podcast. Uh, just stand by. I'll be right back. Star Trek is returning and in an all-new format. Join Captain Edwards and the crew of the Starship Montana as they journey where no crew has gone before. Only on the new audio adventures of Star Trek, the continuing mission at continuingmission.com. Okay, I'm back, and excuse me, what you just heard there was a uh, short audio promo for uh, a new audio Star Trek drama, which there are a few of these, and, and we're even doing it on the Treks in Sci-Fi, treksf.com forums as well. Uh, we have the Starship Tiberius, and uh, for those that recall, uh, there are, is a member on the forum, Sebastian Pruth, who uh, I interviewed before and has had a, a, a history with Trek and has some a lot of behind-the-scenes information and things. He and his partner have created uh, or are creating a a new website, uh, as you heard in the promo there, continuingmission.com, and I'll put all the details up in the podcast notes, but they're going to be doing an audio drama with, you know, usual music and effects and, and things uh, about another ship, uh, and it looks pretty good. They've got a nice website set up, and they're starting right now to, to search for some of their voice talent and that, and I think if uh, anyone is interested in maybe participating in this, they should check it out and uh, send them an email. All right, before I get to uh, talking a little bit about the background and history of Star Trek, I thought uh, we would do a little contest. And the first uh, thing that I want to do on the, uh, for a contest, uh, I, these are always rather difficult because with the Internet these days, it's so easy. Uh, and as we're doing this live show, everybody's obviously sitting at a computer, so easily easy to quickly look things up. So it's a little tricky to come up with some questions that are a little... Uh, well, difficult that you uh, can't immediately have your, your fingertips. Now, I'm hoping the audio quality for everyone out there listening is pretty good. So what I'm planning on doing is I'm going to play a short audio clip. And uh, this will just be a few seconds long. And what you need to do is identify the Star Trek episode, the Star Trek episode, I say it again, that this uh, clip is from. And obviously this is for the people in the chat room, for the first person that gets me the name of the episode that this uh, this clip is from will be winning one of the new run uh, Star Trek t-shirts, uh, a size of your choice, but uh, that's what's up for grabs for this audio trivia Trek contest. So if everyone out there is ready, I'm hoping your audio is working pretty well. Uh, I did do some tests earlier, and I think for most people it's working okay. You should be able to have no problem hearing this clip. Uh, it'll just be a few seconds. I'll try to play it. Uh, I'll play it twice if necessary if I don't get an answer right away. But here it is for the first go. I don't understand what's so special about this region of space. 
That was maybe a little low. I think the volume was down a bit. I'm going to play it one more time quickly. I don't understand what's so special about this region of space. So far, the answers are really flying. No, Space Seed is not the answer. Trekkie Geek uh, in the chat room. It's obviously, uh, yes, it is an original series episode. We'll play it again, maybe give you a little bit more of it. I don't understand what's so special about this region of space. Picture it this way, Mr. Chekhov. We exist in a universe which coexists with a multitude of others in the same physical space. At certain brief periods of time, an area of their... Okay, for anyone who knows uh, the original Trek series, that should be relatively easy. Yes, Jedi Jeff, you are the winner. And I think you, Jeff, you have already, uh, you've already sent in a donation for uh, your T-shirt. So let me know on an email what you would like to do. Maybe get another T-shirt... Or we can work something out, or I can refund your your funds. So, <laughs> but anyway, that uh, that is the answer. Jeff in the chat room got it first. It's from the Tholian Web. Here, I'll play a little bit more of it. Space overlaps an area of ours. That is the time of interphase during which we can connect with the Defiance universe. Mr. Spock, we will be able to retrieve the captain at that time, won't we? Yes. However, the dimensional structure of each universe is totally dissimilar. Okay, so there's the clip. Uh, I, I didn't think it was too difficult. I'm going to try to do one more trivia contest later in the show, and we'll see if that's a little easier. Uh, I will be using a clip uh, from another uh, Trek series, and we'll see how that goes. But uh, right now, we're going to get into um, take one quick break, and then I'm going to get into the main uh, topic for today's show, which will be talking about the history of Trek uh, and how it first all began. Rick, hello. It's Alec Baldwin. My heart is filled with joy. That's right. I am in love. In fact, I'm so in love with my new show, 30 Rock, that I, a famous star of stage and screen, am personally calling people to tell them to watch the show. Yes, even you even if you work in science, and your only joy in life is reading books. You get a personal call from me, Alec Baldwin, and I'm so serious about you watching 30 Rock that I've come to Michigan to make sure you take me seriously. In fact, I'm at your family room window right now. And by the way, I'm not above telling you, you have nice eyes. Watch 30 Rock. Bye. I just had to play that again. Uh, that's, uh, of course, Alec, uh, Alec Baldwin from 30 Rock, uh, which I, that show is just a lot of fun for me to watch. You know, I, I'm starting to watch Scrubs, and I watched 30 Rock last season. You know, you can't watch Star Trek 24-7, really, you know, or Star Wars or Aliens or whatever. You know, you've got to spice in some comedy and things in there, too. So so anyway, I, I just like that show. And, and Tina Fey is always making a lot of Star Wars references in 30 Rock. If you haven't watched it, you know, you should definitely check it out. I think it's coming out on DVD the first season fairly soon, too. And speaking of season sets on DVD, of course, I'm hoping and figuring everyone out there has picked up the first season of Heroes on DVD. I noticed it was also uh, put out on HD DVD and not on Blu-ray. Hmm, I wonder why. I don't know. <laughs> There's sort of a little bit of ongoing controversy, debate, slash whatever uh, on the forums and in other places I visit about, you know, HD, Blu-ray, uh, and, and so forth. Although this, uh, maybe even tomorrow, I, I'm finally going to get and replace my... Uh, 
11 or 12 year old Toshiba rear projection set with uh, probably I hate to say it I think I'm probably going to go with a Sony uh, HD set uh, I, there have been a lot of possibilities but that one seems to have the most bang for the buck out of what uh, I've been looking at so it's been between that and uh, Samsung and for my uh, space that I'm going to put this in and for a lot of other reasons I think that's what I'm going to do so might be running over to the Best Buy tomorrow on Labor Day and, and ordering that so Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. So, the history of Trek. Uh, of course, uh, Star Trek, uh, back in the early 60s, created by Gene Roddenberry. Uh, you know, let me give you a little history about Gene Roddenberry. He was um, born in the 30s. I've got some notes. I, I looked some of this stuff up yesterday. Some of it I knew. But he was born on August 19th, 1921. I feel like one of those old-style radio guys right now with this big old uh, pop filter on my microphone. With a little, uh, especially when I'm looking at a piece of paper as I'm doing uh, the show, it's it's. Uh, I need like a little cap or something, or like a pencil in my ear. <laughs> anyway, he was um, he was always interested in in you know speculative things, fiction and writing, and a lot of that creative type uh, areas. He uh, first was in the army, the U.S. Army Corps, where he learned to be a pilot and. He flew a lot of missions, like 80-some missions during the war, uh, managed to uh, come out okay, and eventually uh, he eventually became a pilot. He was a commercial airline pilot, and this took him to, uh, you know, it took him to a lot of different exotic areas. There's a story where he his plane actually crashed, uh, and he survived it along with some of the other passengers. They were out in... Uh, I think somewhere in the Mideast, uh, Syria or something like that. I have to look it up again. But they crashed, and he was able to uh, bring the plane down without uh, losing everything and everyone. So that's kind of an interesting uh, tale. And he, he got sort of a, I don't know, some kind of airline commendation for that. Anyway, then eventually uh, he settles around the Los Angeles area and becomes a uh, patrolman. And I, I think I'm recalling that there was a... Oh, somebody was putting together uh, some kind of a TV movie, or maybe uh, uh, maybe it was for theatrical release at some point. It was called Roddenberry on Patrol or something like that. It's kind of escaping me right now, all the details about that. But uh, suffice it to say, he became, uh, he decided that he wanted to go either become uh, into, uh, work into some area of law enforcement or work for like a newspaper, because he really wanted to concentrate on writing. And both of those jobs gave him opportunities for that, gave him some free time to write. So he would uh, work his job, his patrolman-type job, and then he would write in the evenings, weekends, and things. And he started to su submit a lot of scripts to different shows out there, TV shows and, and trying to do some movies, but mostly television writing. Kind of like Rod Serling did uh, at first, that he submitted a lot of his stories and scripts originally to TV, various other TV shows. Then eventually gets uh, a good enough reputation in the industry and is able to create sort of his own show, which is called The Lieutenant. And this is basically about a couple of Marines, I believe, uh, in the off time after uh, the war is over. And it stars, uh, one of the stars of that show was Gary Lockwood, who goes on to play Gary Mitchell in the Where No Man Has Gone Before pilot of Star Trek. Uh, excuse me for a second, I'm taking these uh, earbuds out of my ears since I don't need them right now. This, uh, you know, the, the basically what, what you read out there and hear is that he uh, originally conceived of Star Trek in the early 60s, right around 1960 or so, which um, 
is a few years before he really put it down, a lot of it on paper. He had a lot of this going on in his mind during the, the lieutenant, uh, which didn't last very long, only lasted like a season. Uh, I'm going to get a little drink of Gatorade here. Uh, what do we got? Great. For the people out there, uh, this is sort of frost grape-flavored Gatorade today, the people that are uh, listening and aren't watching. So anyway, so Roddenberry's working on this uh, space show that he thinks about. Uh, oh, one thing I also wanted to mention, Gene always had a real uh, a passion for the problems in the world. This is one of the reasons why Star Trek and a lot of the, especially original series and Next Generation and so forth, uh, a lot of the episodes focused on problems that were going on on you know on Earth and in our society that he could turn into some kind of a Star Trek episode. One of the things, drugs, was a big thing for him. He was very interested in the drug problem in the United States. Uh, this was uh, part of him being a cop and, and involved there. And you can see a lot of this kind of uh, his passion and his uh, compassion, I should say, more compassion for, uh, you know, his fellow man came out in Star Trek when he was first creating it. And a lot of the things that they explored in topics in Trek uh, came from uh, Gene's compassion for, uh, you know, humanity, in, in basically. So let me go back to um, the original early draft. There is a... Uh, uh, like a little 16-page treatment out there on Star Trek that when it was first conceived by Gene. And let me tell you a little bit about that. This uh, is probably the first written uh, document that's kind of survived to this day on Star Trek. And this was done in like 1964 in March. And it was also called a, a different, you know, a variety of things, Star Trek Bible. Uh, you know, they, they create these for shows to give uh, potential writers and people who are going to work on the show a broad outline of what the show is all about. And originally, Gene didn't conceive of uh, Captain Pike or even Captain Kirk. He had a character called Captain Robert April, who was supposed to be the captain of uh, not the Enterprise. It was called the SS Yorktown to begin with. It had about 200 people on the crew. It could go uh, about three quarters of a light year per hour. So somebody out there can do the math and see how that compares to things that they used on track and warp speeds and all that uh, there were a lot of differences in the cast originally for Star Trek. Uh, the, uh, the, you see this in the first pilot, the Cage. Uh, for example, the, the first officer, the second in command, was a, just a character called Number One, which this eventually becomes the Number One character, Riker's character, in Star Trek Next Generation. Gene uh, felt that uh, they needed a strong uh, female character on the show, and they put a female uh Major Barrett was uh, cast as number one in the first pilot in the cage, who was second in command. Of course, you know, this is in the early 60s, and, and women and the various minority areas and groups were not really, you know, Gene really wanted to put these people in Trek because he figured in the future everyone would be equal. Men, women, whatever race you're from, no matter what part of the world you're from, anything you would be equal to everyone else. And Aliens, you know, he put the, really worked and fought hard to put Spock into the show as well. Uh, let me go on with the original cast. He had a navigator, Jose Ortegas, who was supposed to be on the show. Uh, the first doctor was Dr. Boyce, which you see in the cage. Um, there was also, of course, the first lieutenant character, which was Spock's character, who was originally from, you know, Volcanus, not Vulcan, but Volcanus, and he was supposed to be a Vulcanian, not just a simple Vulcan, you know, a Vulcan from the planet Vulcan. 
And he wasn't originally designed to be completely emotionless. And you see a lot of this in the first pilot episode of Star Trek. Uh, in the cage, he is uh, he is not at all without emotion. He he gets excited a lot of different points in that episode. Uh, there was also the yeoman type character, uh, sort of an assistant to the captain. She was always supposed to be uh, a young woman, very attractive. This eventually became the yeoman Rand character in uh, the Star Trek that we all know. So that's uh, that's about it. The other thing that was included in this booklet were about uh, about two dozen different little brief outlines and different synopses of Star Trek episodes, episodes that would potentially and eventually go on to be uh, filmed for the show. A lot of the original ideas for many, especially the first season of Star Trek, were put in this first pamphlet Bible that was created by Gene. And this is what he had to take to the different networks out there to try to get them to to buy the show. Uh, the first studio that he was originally kind of commissioned to work with and who originally said they wanted a, you know, a space fantasy show, and, and Gene said he worked, he was working on this concept, was MGM, Metro, Metro Golden Wind Mayor. Sorry, I can't say that uh, ten times fast. But MGM was the first one that Gene took this uh, concept of Star Trek to, and MGM just, what, they weren't going for it. They didn't like the ideas, uh, and so they passed on it. And uh, so that's when Gene went to Desilu Studios. And Desilu, of course, was created or was the studio for Desi Arnaz and Lucille Ball, who had this production company that created a lot of the shows in the early 60s and produced those shows. And Desilu had a guy named Oscar Kate who worked there. And first, uh, he had to pitch, you know, you have a, a production studio, the way this television thing works. Uh, the production studio produces the show, and then they try to, and then they sell it to a network. One of the big three, the, the, you know, the only thing going at that time, really, there weren't all these cable channels and everything. So they had to get one of the networks to back it. Well, the first network they tried was CBS. And CBS at that time was kind of working on their own concept, which was Lost in Space. And they decided, well, we don't need two you know space type shows at the same time so because of lost in space and they were also not very excited by the star trek concept gene was trying to sell so they passed on it as well and then uh, uh this uh this oscar kate guy who was at desi Lu took the show to nbc to a guy named mort werner at nbc and they uh they gave uh, Gene some money. They gave him some money to develop this first script, which was going to be the Cage uh, storyline and idea. And uh, they gave Gene money for that, and he was able to start hiring different people uh, to uh, for his cast. And he fleshed out the whole script. They started building sets and so forth, and this got the ball rolling for Star Trek. So it was going to be with Desilu and NBC. And, you know, it's always funny these days of how, what these guys must think about, you know, the whole Star Trek franchise and the fact that they passed on it at this point. And, and it's kind of come full circle now, too, because Star Trek these days is under Paramount and under CBS. CBS uh, is the real big owner of Star Trek, so it's all the way worked its way back from, uh, from where uh, CBS rejected it at first, and now they own Star Trek. So that's kind of interesting, I thought. But, uh, and as a lot of people know, the first pilot, The Cage, was rejected by NBC. It cost uh, about $600,000 to make in total, and uh, this was in about uh, early 1965, uh, around February 1965, you know, NBC just, you know, they couldn't, they, they didn't like the pilot at all. 
And they just thought it was the the phrase that's usually thrown out there is they felt that it was too cerebral, that there wasn't enough action. And, you know, keep in mind in the early 60s, this is a time where uh, probably the, one of the most popular shows on the air, or most, you know, a lot of the most popular shows on the air were kind of action dramas like Gunsmoke, Westerns, uh, shoot 'em ups and things like that. And, you know, this first pilot episode of Star Trek The Cage just wasn't, uh, well, wasn't floating their boat, as they say. And uh, in an unprecedented move, and this really has barely ever been done since then, and uh, even in these days it was like completely unheard of, but they gave him some more money and said, hey, you know, we still like this idea of Star Trek, but why don't you do a new pilot for us and make it a little, you know, something a little bit with a little bit more action, a little more pizzazz. And uh, this is, you know, what, what probably was a turning point in, in Star Trek's history. You know, first they had to sell it to a studio, and then it had to, uh, you know, it, it, the pilot was rejected, and they had to then say, well, what are we going to do now? And they said, hey, well, how about you make another pilot for us? And they gave them a lot of things. You know, the character of Spock really tried, they really tried to rub him out, basically. They really were trying to push him out. There are even some early publicity photos where they airbrushed, uh, they they doctored the photos and took his pointed ears out of the picture. So, you know, the studio wasn't too keen on that. They didn't like the woman second in command, and so they were really pushing for a lot of changes, which is one of the reasons why when they did the second pilot, uh, there was such a big change in cast, and I'll go into that here in a second. Uh, I want to play a couple of clips from this era, though. Uh, the first one will lead into my, my discussion of the second pilot and the casting of William Shatner. Uh, this is a early 1966 interview of Shatner uh, outside the studio uh, by a reporter about uh, talking about the early Star Trek and his role on the show. So listen to this. It's about a minute or so long. Well, what is the plot like? Well, I'll tell you, seriously, what makes it different from uh, any other show on television is that it's really science fiction. Uh, science fiction in the best sense of the word. It's, uh, it's uh, exciting drama, action-adventure, uh, placed in the future. Uh, the stories will involve human beings uh, in jeopardy, uh, uh, sometimes me, uh, I play uh, Captain Kirk of the spaceship, uh, sometimes other people, but uh, although there are monsters and fights and runnings and carryings on, it's, uh, it's, it has to do with people, and that's what really what science fiction, true science fiction is. Are you in charge of a spaceship that travels around there? Right. Uh, well, the uh, Starship Enterprise, as we call it, is a uh, spaceship patrolling uh, somewhere out there. In the same way, the naval vessels in the 18th century patrolled uh, the outer reaches of the empire, and we performed the same tasks, the uh, uh, dispensing of justice and supply, medicine, the war. Uh, uh, we're assigned any mission that uh, Earth uh, might feel. Yeah, they, the clip kind of cuts out at the end there, but basically that's, uh, you know, it's not the best audio quality, unfortunately, but it's, um, it's pretty interesting to see that... Uh, and how much uh, of, you know, the early Shatner and early Kirk is there in his character. And I just like uh, like seeing that. And you can find that uh, also up on YouTube. Just search for Shatner, I think, 1966. And there's that little interview with him there, uh, which I grabbed that clip from. Let's turn up the uh, volume here a little. Looks like I'm a little low. Sorry about that. Uh, live show stuff again. The, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is, you know, the second pilot, Where No Man Has Gone Before. 
Gene uh, gave the studio three choices. He had three ideas for the second pilot, uh, three different storylines he was working on at the time. Uh, one of those was the Mud, the first Harry Mud story, Mud's Women, which, uh, for those who know the original Star Trek series, that uh, you know featured three women coming aboard the Enterprise, interacting with the crew, and so forth. The other one uh, of the three that you don't know uh, is the Omega Glory. That uh, that's that whole one where there's a parallel society. They get a hold of like the Constitution and uh, they they form sort of these this division between the the, the Federates, uh, the Confederates, excuse me. And they have all that different verbiage that they speak. Not really one of my favorite Star Trek episodes, but anyway. So the Omega Glory, Mud's Women were two possible pilot uh, episodes. And the third one is the one we all know that eventually happened, which is Where No Man Has Gone Before, which is the one with... uh, It's a great story. Uh, It features uh, a good friend of Captain Kirk who uh, gets affected by this weird area on the uh, edge of the galaxy, gets superpowers, and it's, it's sort of a power-corrupt story. But Kirk has to make a lot of very difficult decisions. There's a lot of action in the episode. It really has everything that you, uh, you would need uh, to show off a show to begin with, I think. And they definitely picked the right story. You know, If they'd picked one of those other stories, I don't even know if they would have gone for Star Trek, and we'd never uh, have the hundreds of episodes and ten movies that we have these days out there. So, so they go with where no man has gone before. Well, Jeffrey Hunter, uh, who played Captain Pike in the first pilot, uh, by this point had dropped out of the whole thing. He decided he didn't want to, to do this. Uh, there are a lot of stories of reasons why. Uh, supposedly, uh, his uh, I don't know if it was his wife or his girlfriend at the time wasn't uh, too thrilled with the idea. He you know wanted him to do movies, didn't want him to work on a TV show, a lot of things like that, and. Gene Roddenberry had uh, seen a, a lot of William Shatner's work, and William Shatner had done a lot of episodes of things like uh, Twilight Zone and Outer Limits, and and showed uh, you know Gene and and the people that were looking at casting their captain, a new captain for the show, showed them that he could do these kinds of roles, and you know and and William Shatner for all the people out there, you know everyone kind of makes fun of the Shat, uh, you know, and the way he acts, but. His dramatic style, you know, comes from doing a lot of play work to begin with. It's very Shakespearean. Uh, I think Amy will will back me up on this, who's been on the show before. You know, he has a certain way to make something that's maybe not as serious to seem more serious. I don't know how to describe it, but he uh, fit Gene's uh, image for Captain Kirk rather well. They wanted somebody who was a little more of an action guy in the role, and you would balance that with the character of Spock, who they made even more logical by the second pilot, more calm, more cerebral. And then they have eventually had the character of Dr. McCoy, who was sort of the real emotional one of the, the classic trio for Star Trek. And you had, you had a perfect uh, solution at that point. So they refilmed, and they did Where No Man Has Gone Before, changed costumes, props. A lot of the, the characters that eventually become uh, part of Star Trek, the character of Sulu, Scotty, Uhura, uh, they show up uh, at different points. Uh, actually, Uhura does not show up, I don't think, in Where No Man Has Gone Before, does she, or does she not? Ah, I'm losing it at this point. Sorry, everyone. Anyway, they do the second pilot, and then kind of the rest is history. And that's what I wanted to really get you to, just the, the point where Star Trek started. And it never did very well 
on the air in terms of ratings for NBC. By the time the the second season ended, the ratings were really low, and they were going to cancel it after two years. But they decided to, uh, through a huge letter-writing campaign, decided to give it one more season, which it was uh, shoved onto late night on Friday night, and uh, then it kind of died a quiet death. Uh, and but made it in syndication, and that's that's where we uh, we are today. You know, with all those syndicated episodes, they decided to do movies and then future series like Next Generation and so forth. I've got another one of these older interviews to play. This one is with Leonard Nimoy. It's about the same length as the Shatner one, uh, but he talks a little bit about his costume and his ears and you know the the show in general. So listen to this. Clearer than the rest of the crew to get into your makeup. Somewhat, yeah. I'm here usually about 6.30 in the morning. We actually start shooting at 8. The crew arrives around 7.30. It takes me about an hour and a half to get into the rig. Yeah. Okay, let's find a little bit about yourself. How did uh, Leonard Nimoy get into showbiz? Well, I'm from Boston originally. I've been in Los Angeles working in films off and on for about 17 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started acting when I was a little boy, about 8 years old, in neighborhood settlement houses in Boston and kind of grew up into it. I just kept doing it because I liked it, and then suddenly decided that I liked it enough to want to make a career of it, so I came to California in 1949 and started acting in films then. And before this part, uh, didn't you mainly play gangster roles? I had done a lot, yeah. I pushed a lot of people around and got my comeuppance in the end of the show, you know, that kind of thing. But um, it was good training. I did a wide variety of characters. The last five or six years, I've, I've been playing more or less sympathetic interesting people, people that my mother would like to see me play, you know, doctors, lawyers, mm-hmm. professional people. Uh, I played a, uh, a film producer, a film actor producer on, a, on an episode of The Lieutenant Show, mm-hmm. which was produced by Gene Roddenberry, who then created Star Trek and, and had me in mind as a result of The Lieutenant thing for Mr. Spock. Well, I think it's one of the uh, fine series on the air, and I certainly hope it continues. How long does it take you to shoot one episode? It looks like a very expensive show. It is. I understand one of the most expensive on the air. It takes approximately uh, six and a half or seven shooting days, which means about a week and a half in calendar time. Okay, so there you have uh, Leonard Nimoy and his uh, discussions about playing Spock and getting in makeup at the beginning uh, of each day, uh, having some uh, fairly long days in the studio, uh, most of the episodes uh, taking uh, over a week to film. Uh, Somebody on the uh, chat room uh, commented on that uh, $600,000 figure for doing the first uh, Star Trek pilot. Yeah, that's uh, that's right out of the the, uh, information that I've gotten, and and it's pretty... uh, pretty accurate you know this that's a huge amount of money uh back in the 60s but you know keep in mind there's a lot of things that they first had to create to do that show and it was stuff that they were going to use for subsequent episodes so that's uh that's the way uh that worked you know they they had a lot of sets that they had to build initially so that that's been or took a lot of money at that point in time so that's a little bit about the history of trek hopefully some things in there that you had never heard before uh it's difficult to, you know, there's been so much written about Star Trek over the years. Uh, it's difficult to find anything that's new or unique, but uh, every once in a while I like to sort of compile it and, and get it out there. So uh, I'm going to take a very short break, uh, and then I'm going to be back with another contest and uh, this week's collectible. So stand by. I'll be right back. It's been a long, long getting from Touch the sky, and they're not gonna hold me down no more. No, they're not gonna change. 
Okay, I'm back. Uh, that was uh, just a little music there, a musical interlude uh, in between uh, getting set up for this next part of the show. I've got uh, one more uh, contest I'd like to do. This is going to be another audio one. I think these are the most fun and uh, probably the ones that you can't just quickly look up online as well. So this one, to uh, the prize up for grabs, is your very own Jonathan Frakes. William T. Riker action figure, which I am showing to the everyone on uh, Ustream on the camera here. I know everyone's excited to get their own Jonathan Frakes. I know I am. Or uh, maybe I'm excited to get rid of it. No, 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 not, not really. I've got my own Jonathan, which uh, uh, I'm not telling you where he's at right now. But Oh, wait a second. Oh, too much Gatorade. <laughs> anyway, this, uh, this audio contest is to win Jonathan Frakes, Star Trek Next Generation, uh, Commander William T. Riker action figure. So that's uh, what's up for grabs. Everyone, hopefully, will get ready. Yes, this is Jonathan uh, with a beard, you know, which is the good Riker, really, you know. Unlike in the Mirror Universe, where the bad guys wear the beards there, so, right? Anyway, we will... Uh, this clip I had to grab kind of quickly off the hard drive. I didn't get a chance to preview it, so I'm hoping it's not going to give too much away in the first part of it. So I'm going to play a few seconds of it again, and the first one in the chat room uh, to get the correct answer will win his very own Riker. So here we go, uh, getting the audio level set, and we will get the clip queued up. And here we go. I will not read this or any other statement. If you do not, you will die. All of you will die. Okay, that might have been a little low audio, but that's uh, all I want to play for right now. Anyone got that yet? Or I'll play it once more. I'm going to turn the audio up. I will not read this or any other statement. If you do not, you will die. All of you will die. Yes, Monkey Man 587 you are the winner. It is from Unification. That's uh, Spock saying he won't read the speech that Sela has, has prepared for her. I'm talking about, you know, uh, well, things she wants him to say. So anyway, you win Monkey Man 587. Send me an email with your address, treksf at gmail.com. Send me your address information, and you will get your own William T. Riker in the mail sent to you uh, through uh, normal non-transporting type methods. So anyway, congratulations. Uh, so those were pretty fun. I, I, I think uh, those were a couple of good clips, one from uh, original series and one from Next Generation. The collectible that I want to talk about uh, is not a uh, William Riker action figure, but it is from Doctor Who. And I am showing everyone this on the uh, Ustream feed right now. This is a plastic... Uh, uh, Dalek from Doctor Who, which I got uh, I got about a week ago. He does all kinds of weird sounds. Let's see. And uh, let's see what else. Hopefully, people can hear that. So he can move, 
he moves around and he blasts you. And it's it's pretty cool. He's about uh maybe about a foot tall and does sounds, moves around, you get a little like remote control with him. Uh I really like it. It's uh it's a pretty neat figure. I'll put the details of where you can get one. Uh it's made by a uh company. Let me see here. I'll look at the box. Uh yeah, uh, here's the box if people can see it on the camera. Uh what is this? Uh Doctor Who it was imported by underground-toys.com. It's made by a company called Character Options Limited uh, uh, from the UK, So, but also actually made in China, of course. So don't eat it, I think, is the, is the take-home message. Don't eat this. But uh, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, and since we talked a lot about Star Trek already today, I thought I'd talk about a little something different for the collectible uh and uh, like I said, uh, I think it cost about $50. This is a nice uh, weight. He's got a little button on the front that uh, lets you make the sounds as well. It, it's, um, it's one of these little, if you know what the Daleks look like, there's these little black buttons kind of all over uh, the bottom of them. And one of those you can press in to make the sounds as well. Plus the remote itself, you've got all the sounds there too. Little buttons for each, uh, for each sound. So that is... The collectible, and like I said, I'll put in the podcast notes for this week the Dalek and where you can find your very own. The other little collectible I was going to talk about too, which is a Doctor Who one, and I figured I'd throw it in as well, is a sonic screwdriver. And I don't know if you can hear that noise, but this is uh, what it looks like for those out there. It's got a uh, little blue LED light on the end of it when you push the button. It also extends like the Doctor's screwdriver. Uh, it's, uh, really cool. My, uh, younger son, Eric, is a big, uh, fan of Doctor Who, and we watch the episodes together. He keeps saying he wants to be Doctor Who for Halloween some year, so maybe, uh, I got his own, I got him his own sonic screwdriver, too, and he just needs a nice tweed suit or whatever, so he can be the Doctor for Halloween, uh, but, uh, it's a great show. It's on the Sci-Fi Channel on Friday nights, uh, at least in the United States right now, running through season three of the new incarnation uh, with david tennant uh and uh, he's just doing a great job i really love the show it's a lot of fun not so serious as star trek is sometimes but it's very enjoyable and uh if you haven't given it a chance if you go ah it's one of those british sci-fi shows uh, no offense to the brits but you know the sci-fi shows usually there are a little different than they are from the united states so sometimes i think people here sci-fi fans in the states uh, they tend to stay away from them a little bit. So, But this, uh, you should give it a try if you've never tried Doctor Who. So there's the collectible uh, and uh, the Dalek and the Sonic Screwdriver. All, like I said, I'll put all the details where you can buy your very own uh, in the podcast notes. And uh, I'm going to take one short break and we'll come back and wrap things up. All right, well, that's about it for uh, this week, everyone. 
I just uh, first want to say, I, if the show, like I said, if you're just listening to it, if you weren't here to watch it live, uh, I hope it's been uh, not too uh, different or disjointed. It, you know, it's a little tricky to work the two computers and kind of pay attention to the chat and the camera and do the show at the same time. But uh, I, I realized as I ha was looking at those notes when I was going over kind of some of the early things on Star Trek and the history, it does help to have a few things written down. Uh, so there's my little bit of advice for any would-be uh, podcasters out there uh, to do that, especially if you're doing it like this. See, see, I can't really pause the recording. When I normally do the show, I'm pausing it, slipping in clips, and those kinds of things. But when you do it live, you have to be pretty much ready to go. I need like a teleprompter. You know, that, that'll that be my next purchase. Uh, I hope the uh, audio quality of this week's show is, uh, is a little improved as well. Like I said uh, at the beginning, I'm using a new microphone with a pop filter, I think the quality should be better. It may not be quite perfect this week. I haven't had a chance to fine-tune it and adjust levels exactly right, but I think it will be uh, an improvement. I had a pretty good microphone before. It's still around, uh, but it's, uh, it was time for a change a little bit, and also this pop filter is a, is a big help. Uh, it's just a little uh, piece of nylon, basically, almost uh, stretched over a ring, and the air from your breath when you say things like Peter Piper gets caught in it. So that's the way it works, and I think it helps a lot. So enough with the technical junk. Uh, but again, thanks to everyone in the chat room. Uh, who do we have in there right now? Siroth, uh, Jedi Jeff, John Semlek, Monkman, Star Trek Fanatic, Stroke Herb, Herb, Harb, uh, Walt, WSO, and a couple of stream bots. Uh, you know, Ustream is... Uh, if you don't log in, if you don't have like a free account set up, you log in with sort of a random number. Uh, I do, again, sincerely apologize for my stupid PowWeb. Don't ever use PowWeb.com as your web host. I'm about ready to dump them and switch. I just don't want to go through all the pain and the hassle of uh, of doing that. But uh, they're frustrating me the last few weeks to no end. And, you know, they I sent them an email this morning with the website problems. They sent me one back and said, oh, no, you're, you're, everything's working fine. And I just checked it like 10 seconds after they sent me the email, and it's not working fine. So I don't know what's up with these guys. I don't know if it's working better right now. I'm hoping it is. So anyway, uh, if uh, if it is difficult to get into treksf.com or the forums, please bear with me. Don't disappear. Uh, it will be back better than ever. Uh, oh, I did also, uh, once you get a chance to see it, once it's up, I did make some major changes about a week ago to the main webpage which you can get to at treksf.com or treksinsci-fi.com. And uh, I think it's looking good. Uh, there's little differences to it, and I'm trying to consolidate things and make it a little cleaner of a layout uh, and a little nicer for everyone with better uh, menus and, and different options and stuff. So check that out when you get a chance when it's going. So that's it. Uh, I'm going to leave the uh, camera on for a little bit, but I'm going to stop the recording, and the chat will still stay open for another little bit. If anyone has anything they want to chat about or talk about, uh, Shoot me a message there while I edit the show. So until next week, which should be sort of a normal show, uh, this is Rico signing off. Uh, thanks for everyone. For the last two years, it's been great. Uh, looking forward to uh, the coming months and the coming year. Bye-bye for now. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production.
This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.